Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. On this podcast, you will hear me pretty regularly refer to projects as successful and smooth running. And that is the goal for all of us, whether you are an interior designer managing them or a homeowner taking them on yourself, right? We all want a smooth and successful renovation project. The thing is, I believe most people, when they hear me say that, Picture the people doing the actual work as a large component of whether a job is smooth and successful. And while that does play a large role in any project, I want to make sure that it doesn't go missing that a budget is a critical piece to a smooth and successful project in the end. So today, I want to go over what I mean by that, and how you can take charge of that process to ensure a smooth and successful project. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So as I just said, the goal for all of you listening is to have a smooth and successful renovation project. Whether you're an interior designer managing it on behalf of your clients, or whether you're the homeowner taking on perhaps your first project or even your second or third. Of course, everybody walks into it wanting that success at the end, right? Goes without saying. But again, as I already mentioned, I believe most people picture the team or the items that they're selecting as how they define a smooth and successful project. And yes, those are large pieces to this puzzle that every renovation project is. But the overarching component that really does drive that end goal is the budget. And I'm sure people are going, oh, yeah, that makes sense, Renee. But I want you to really sit with that because I find more often than not, it is the part of a project that gets the least amount of attention. And trust me, that is a regrettable decision in the end. Now, what do I mean by attention? So typically, people go out and they ask their friends or coworkers or neighbors for a referral on a construction company or a small contractor if the project isn't as large. That, again, it makes sense. You're going to start with people you know, people you respect, assuming that you will have similarities as far as the people you want to work with. You put a lot of effort into it, and you should. You should go through the due diligence that I'm always talking about. Get several names. Start with the interview phone calls. See if you mesh with these people. Whittle down your list. Meet them. See their work. I mean, there is an extensive amount of energy that needs to be put towards this stage in order to have that same goal of a successful and smooth running project. 
Now you move on to your finishes. And of course, this is what everybody wants to focus on, the pretty. Help, I'm a designer. I love pretty. So of course, we're all going to want to dig into that, likely even before you have a contractor in hand. So for instance, you may be managing a kitchen renovation. And I can promise you, you're already thinking color of the cabinets, the type of countertops, what appliances, and all of that information is swirling around in your head as you are walking down the path towards your renovation. Okay, those are two very important pieces. And again, if you've listened to me, you know that managing the project from very start to very end is also an extremely important part of a smooth and successful project. But let's take a step back because the most common thing I see are budgets getting blown. Now, what does that mean by blown? And I really do want to kind of reframe that terminology because I will hear friends, for instance, tell me, oh, I budgeted for 50000 and it came in at seventy five, and it was awful and it totally ruined everything and I really wish I'd known in advance. And I am always very careful to not say what I'm thinking, which is, why didn't you know that in advance? This is information that's readily available, especially now with the internet and all the research you can be doing on your own, regardless of any construction company or contractor that you get involved. So when I hear my budget was blown, more often than not, I'm assuming that there was no real budget in the beginning, that it was based on loose estimates or best guesses or however you want to call it. But that's not the definition of a real budget. So designers and homeowners listening, you need to understand that and make sure that you avoid it at at all costs. So what does that mean? Okay, so here's another thing I hear. I even hear designers tell me this. Well, my client had a construction company, a large one that does lots of projects, a 20-page document, and it had an extensive budget outline. Great. Now, I have read through those 20-page plus documents. They are a little mind-numbing, even for people who've done it as long as I have. But the critical piece is to go through it line by line, making sure you understand each line item. And trust me, there are items that I don't understand sometimes on these contracts, usually some technical term or behind the scenes or something else. I highlight it and I ask about it. Two things come out of that. One, I'm smarter because of it. I understand it for the next contract that I go through and find that same term. Second, I will understand the cost, the impact on the budget, and most importantly, whether that number could change. Now, what can change a number? A couple of things. One, if it's a selection that a client is going to make, that can make a change in the cost of it. Or secondly, if there's an issue on the job or a surprise they find in the walls, which I'm always cautioning people to say that they are likely going to find surprises. So, I will earmark something. Okay, this is a number that might change given these set of circumstances. So right off the bat, I know this line item, let's say it's 453. I'm just joking, but it can feel like that. I will note this item could change under these circumstances. Keep a watch on it. Okay, what else goes into a budget that can make it based on estimates as opposed to real numbers? Well, 
Again, if you've listened to me for a while, allowances is a term that you need to become extremely familiar with. And no, it is not money that you will get by doing chores around the house. It is a term to delineate items on the contract that the homeowner needs to select and that the contractor does not know in advance what the selection will be. Okay. Makes sense, right? They don't want to leave a blank as if it costs nothing, let's say kitchen countertop, but they use a formula to create a number. Now, this formula, it is not based on your personal style, your personal tastes, any budget numbers you gave the contractor, nothing. It is simply an allowance, which is a formula that the industry uses. Now, depending on where you are in the country, that formula will change. But here is what I know to be true. Allowances almost never hit the mark. On a rare occasion, they will be over. But more often than not, they will be under. And it is something that I highlight, I put a star next to, and we run down those numbers and get real numbers prior to the work beginning. Now, homeowners listening going, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, you actually get the first look at the contract. It's actually designers listening. They're the ones that are up against the wall because we're not always called in early enough under the contracting phase to get our eyes on those pages and highlight and bring to attention of the client the items that are most likely not real numbers. So designers listening to me, please be forward with your clients. I tell my clients all the time, bring me in in the beginning. I know my numbers. I know my budgeting. I can help you save money. And the minute I say that, they say, let me forward it to you. And I pour over it. I go line by line and we have a back and forth immediately. Now, sometimes they've already signed off on these contracts and we'll get into that in a minute. But the sooner they know real numbers, the better they are and the more control that they have over their budget and their project. Okay. So the other thing I see, especially in smaller projects, is with these smaller contractors and how they write up estimates. So jumping back to our larger contract, those are likely going to be based on architectural drawings or interior elevations that the designer has created. There's going to be a lot of information that they're pulling from to create those numbers. So they are I don't want to go out on a limb and say they're solid, but they are more comprehensive than a smaller contractor who might be meeting with the homeowner and or a client and a designer and talking out a design, or maybe there's sketches involved. And therefore, those are the contracts that really need to be scrutinized because they are likely to fall short in most of the categories. Now, it is not necessarily the contractor's fault. Perhaps in some cases it is. It is more often than not a lack of communication and clarification on the specific details to a space. So what are some examples? I had a friend actually out of state call me and say she got really tripped up in a bathroom renovation. And I said, okay, first of all, shame on you for not calling me sooner. And we laughed about that. And then we moved on to what happened. She had separate vanities in her master bath. They're about 54 inches wide. She was going to do a center medicine cabinet. The contractor she was working with directly assumed, there's the first bad word, 
that there was going to be one light above each medicine cabinet. Okay. Is that a horrible thing to assume? No, because really there's two options, right? You're either, well, three. There's either going to be no sconces, there's going to be a sconce above the mirror, or there's going to be a pair flanking the mirror. Well, guess what? My friend wanted a pair flanking the mirror. And guess when this was figured out? You got it. After the wire was stubbed in above the mirror. My friend walked into her bathroom. It was under construction. And she said, oh, what is that for up there? And the contractor said, oh, that's for your sconce. And she said, oh, I really wanted a pair on either side of the mirror. And he looked at her and he said, oh, I didn't know that. We never discussed this. Now, admittedly, she said she thought she had told him, but that's the problem. It was not clear. There was no email about it. There was nothing written anywhere about it. And therefore, the electrical had to be changed. Was that a huge change in the cost? No, but there was a change. There was a disconnect in the process. She also had to order four fixtures. So four fixtures had to be installed. And that, of course, bumped up the number again for an installation. So these are things to me are completely avoidable and should never be an issue. The communication needs to be rock solid from the very beginning and then continuing throughout the entire project. And yes, it gets tiresome to constantly be communicating, constantly double-checking work, constantly touching base, where are we in the budget? But the smooth and successful projects do just that. And those budget numbers stay within reason. Now, even with a comprehensive estimate, even with a breakdown, even with someone like me going through and picking it apart and flagging things that need to be addressed, will that number be the hard and fast number at the end of the project? I can't say that to be true because there are too many variables unknown at the contracting and budgeting phase to know that that's true. What kinds of things am I talking about? I'm talking about surprises. They tear out the floor. They see something they didn't know was there. They tear out the wall. Again, they see something they didn't know was there and it needs to be changed or relocated or the design has to change to work around it. Are these things common? Yes. I'm going to break your heart right now and tell you yes. But here's the thing. If your budget is rock solid before the work begins and you put away that 10 to 15% above your budget, I can almost guarantee you, you will still be within that number. Barring some massive structural issue, which quite honestly, everything goes out the window in that case. But having those numbers rock solid prior to your construction project beginning is where you want to be. You walk into a project confident, you walk into a project knowing that your dream job is actually going to be what you have envisioned it to be at the end. Because what happens when the budget numbers aren't right in the very beginning is clients feel taken advantage of, they feel that they're over a barrel, and they feel that they need to make concessions on some of the pretty things, which frankly is all they will see in the end. Nobody, not a designer, not a contractor, none of us want to see that. And therefore, contractors get a bad rap because they're the ones that are typically blamed for the bad budgets. 
Now, I will say contractors could do themselves a favor and do more in the beginning to communicate with the client what their budgets really represent and therefore what they don't represent. Empowering that homeowner to go out and fill in those blanks in the beginning. Now, trust me, there may be times where someone does that work and they have estimated $50,000 for a specific project. They go out, they fill in those cracks and those holes in the contract and come back with a number that's $70,000. And guess what? They can't afford that. Okay, that is devastating. And I have been a part of those situations. But I also have had the same people say, I'd rather know that now then be $20,000 in the hole during the project because I've also been a part of those projects. When a client has brought me on too late and we try to go back, we fill in the holes and they know mid-project that they're going to be $20,000 over what they had estimated And that's where those concessions start coming into the discussion. And gee, maybe we won't do marble. Maybe we will do ceramic tile. All sorts of conversations come into play in order to try and chip away at that additional $20,000 that the client didn't count on in the beginning. And it is heart-wrenching for me to be a part of those conversations because I know that $50,000 is a large investment. So they were already prepared mentally and emotionally and financially to go that far. And then for them to need to go a little bit further, knowing that they shouldn't and oftentimes can't, is a terrible situation that no one in my industry, even the surrounding industries, want. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle Because that's where the stories tend to go. The contractor screwed me. The contractor had me over a barrel. And like I said in last week's episode about the value that interior designers bring, we bring these mad budgeting skills to the table. We know by looking at numbers whether they are feasible. So whether a contractor is using an allowance, whether a contractor is using a number that he believes will handle whatever that item is, a designer who has an established relationship with this client can look at a number and say, it's high, it's good, or it's low. And then take it to the next level. Run down, let's say it's light fixtures because they are notoriously using allowances for light fixtures. And frankly, I don't blame contractors. They have no earthly idea if that client is going to go get a $100 light fixture or a $10,000 light fixture. And okay, they shouldn't know. But then it's the client's responsibility, whether they have a designer working with them or not, to bring that information forward during the budgeting phase so that everybody's on board. All the numbers, like I said, are real. So if you're listening to this right now and you are mid-project and it is over budget, maybe even a lot over budget, it is still not time to panic. The train has left the station. You likely have open walls. You will need to see this project through. And that's okay. Here is my best advice to every client that falls into this category. Invest in what you won't want to come back or will be very difficult to come back and change out. So what does that mean? 
Let's use a bathroom as an example. Tiles in a shower are pretty permanent, right? You're not going to want to rip out tiles. You're not going to want to save money by putting in ceramic when you know in your heart you wanted a marble shower walls. Go ahead and invest in those shower walls. Maybe there's a design element or there's some sort of accent that you can pull back or use more sparingly, something along those lines. But don't put in the ceramic tile thinking, oh, gee, in a couple of years, I'm going to rip that out. I'm going to put it back in because you won't. I can promise you, you won't. Or if you do, you will be so angry about it. It really isn't the vibe that you're going to want at the end, right? Same thing, especially in a bathroom, heated floors. I see clients all the time say, you know what? I'm going to save that money. I'm going to pull it out. Well, guess what? You can't go back and add it without ripping out the floor that goes on top of it. So again, that's something you're going to want to invest in. So then where would you save in a bathroom? Well, you can save in decorative lighting. You can buy that $100 fixture knowing in a couple of years, you're going to put that $2,000 fixture in you've always wanted later down the road. It's an easy swap in, swap out of a fixture. All of the electrical is the same. The rough-in's the same. Nothing but the cost of the fixture changes. Now, of course, you've purchased a $100 fixture and you will be getting rid of it. There are a lot of times, a lot of communities have resales and things that you can at least recoup some of your money, or maybe you can relocate it to somewhere else in your house or gift it to a friend or a family member. So you can save on your budget with lighting, decorative lighting. You can save on your budget with plumbing. Now, I'm not saying you wanted body sprays and you're now not going to add them, but you're going to add them in two years because, again, you'd be ripping out the shower walls in order to put the plumbing in to support that. But maybe you are going to buy a cheaper faucet. And if it's a master bath and you have two of them, that can add up. So in a couple of years, that's when you're going to go in and buy that $1,000 faucet set that you wanted. You know, this seems, and maybe you're thinking, gee, that's not going to save me a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I know you can get into the thousands of dollars of savings if you start thinking about things this way. You're going to want to look for the surface up in order to save your money. Do the investments behind the walls because that is going to be extremely expensive to retrofit in a couple of years. Same thing with the kitchen. Be thinking about the things that are surface up. Buy that decent cabinetry. Invest in that cabinetry. Yes, it's going to freak you out when you see those numbers, but it will last you for years, decades even, if you're buying high quality. So where do you then start pulling out? Again, it's the things like the faucet sets. It's um, the backsplash. You do not have to install a backsplash right off the bat. Backsplashes can be added at any time. Now, if you have a freestanding range, you might want to tile behind the range because if it's gas, you're going to have gas lines and pulling it out isn't easy, but it is doable. So that's a conversation to be had with the contractor. And again, the lighting. Kitchens have a ton of lighting and often a good portion of it is decorative lighting. So that, again, is something that you can either forego 
just put a cap over, come back and add on later. Or if you need the actual lighting, buy a less expensive fixture and know that you're going to come back with the one of your dreams in a year or two or three or whenever that budget recovers. But these are tricks that I want you to be thinking about if you are currently in a situation where your budget has been blown. Now, getting upset, getting mad, getting frustrated, while understandable, it will not move your project forward. And I really want your project to move forward because frankly, the longer you delay, the more hours you're going to be paying and therefore your budget will be blown even more. So take a deep breath, take a step back, bring your contractor or designer into this conversation and say, where can we cut costs that I can put back in in a couple of years? That's the conversation, the healthiest conversation you can be having when you're in the middle of a project and all hell has broken loose with your budget. Now, if you're a homeowner and you're considering bringing in a designer, do not wait until the the project starts. I hope you have learned from this episode that an interior designer is as valuable, if not more valuable, than a contractor is in the very beginning. That designer will get you real numbers, will get you a budget that will support the dream that you have always wanted and been saving for. That moving forward with a project with your finances in place in a positive situation with the confidence that you're covered with real numbers is the most amazing feeling to start any project off because that will create a successful and smooth renovation project. And like I said in the beginning, that is everyone's goal, everyone on the project, whether you believe me or not, trust me, no contractor wants a contentious relationship during the project. And that's what happens when budgets start getting stretched or thin and God forbid, blown. Everybody gets tense. The entire project feels it. Things start going wrong because of that tension. And that's when the train falls off the rails. And as I've said in the past, the minute a project is off the rails, it is a very large effort on everyone's part to get it back on track. So please, please do not get to that point. Now you're saying, well, I'm screwed, Renee. My budget's blown. You're telling me I won't be able to get things that I want, and but yet I'm supposed to stay happy about it? Okay, maybe not happy. You are where you are. You need to finish this project. Your house is torn apart. You might be looking at the interior of your walls, for all I know. The goal at this point is to find the best finished plan that you can come back to and add on to when that is financially possible. So at the end, when the project is done, is that a time to have a conversation with the contractor? Sure. But I know what the contractor is going to say. He is going to likely tell you that he budgeted the numbers for what you told him. And if you didn't tell him real numbers, you didn't tell him the cost of the fixtures you had been pinning on Pinterest, he has no way of knowing that you wanted a $1,000 fixture. He may have assumed, wrongly, obviously, that it was a $100 fixture. Now, if you're going to say who's wrong or who's right, I would say both of you are because the homeowner didn't communicate well, and the contractor didn't ask enough questions. And that's where an interior designer fills that gap. 
So I know this is not a sexy conversation, budgets and numbers and who likes to talk about money, none of us. But the reality is no renovation project is done inexpensively. It just isn't. And if you watch those shows on TV, call me personally, call me. I will tell you where they are not telling the truth, also known as lying, and where they are blurring the lines between reality and Hollywood, because there are no inexpensive renovation projects. There are inexpensive decorating projects, different story, different topic, but renovation projects are expensive. And the good news is they're an investment. And if they're done well, they're done wisely. Not only do you have your dream job, you've also increased the value of your home. That is the perfect win. So as always, This one in particular may bring up more questions than answers. Please reach out. I love hearing from all of you, hearing about where you are, talking about how you can get past it or through it or around it, as the case may be. But I am here for you, whether you're a designer managing multiple projects or whether you're a homeowner trying to figure it out on your own. That's what this forum, that's what this podcast is about supporting those of you going through renovations so that you can be successful doing it. And designers, this is a small portion of the responsibilities that you hold when you're managing your client's projects. It's a very important one, but it is a small component because there's just so much to be doing, managing, keeping an eye on, and executing during a project. And that is why I built my signature course, Renovation Management for Interior Designers. It covers everything from soup to nuts, from starting the budgeting process all the way through the punch list and how to market yourself to keep those projects coming. There is more information about this course on my website Take a look at all the information. Let me know if you have any questions. I highly recommend this course for anyone who wants to learn or hone their management skills for their own client base. It's a wonderful addition to decorating in any interior design firm and something I truly love to do. So as always, I can't thank you enough for your time today, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today, and feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.